So hello everybody and welcome. My name is Amber Winston and I wanted to welcome you all to the Return of Ritual online show. Today I have an amazing speaker with us. Um, I actually just met Meredith and it was amazing because the first time we chatted um, about the interview series, we did a Facebook uh, live call, which I didn't even know you could do, so I could see her. And I instantly felt a connection with Meredith. And I remember her sitting outside and she had her sunglasses on and she was reading a book. And she happened to show me, she's like, oh my gosh, girl, have you read this book? And I was like, no, what is it? And um, it was a book by Tasha Silver um, called It's Not Your Money. And I, for those of you who know me and are listening to this, know that I love reading. And so immediately I went to the library and I like to go to the library because I found that I had a bit of a book problem. I was purchasing too many books. So now I like to borrow them and give them back. Went to the library, got this book, and it has just been life-changing. And I have given it to my mother. I'm going to buy it for some of my girlfriends. Um, and so I just share that because I felt such an instant connection with Meredith. And Meredith is a very well-versed woman. She has been in television for years. She is a marketing and media expert. She has her own show called The Meredith Show. Um, and she's just a real source of light. So I want to welcome Meredith to the Return of Ritual online show. Thank you so much. It's a joy to be here with you, Amber. Thank you. Um, so I want to just dive right in. Um, and the first question I have for you, because you are such an established, I don't know if corporate word is the right word here, corporate woman, but um, you know, you've been in media, you've been in marketing. My question for you is, would you consider yourself a spiritual person? Yes, and I would tell you that for a long time, I, I had this mindset that I've really shifted out of that I needed to keep that to myself and that it was a very private thing. But, but now, recognizing the power of having a spiritual practice and that it can be a game changer in your ease and grace in life and also with your impact in the world. So um, I would say I'm a highly spiritual person, actually. I just had um, a regular weekly meeting with my Kabbalah friends, which I now do. And I'm so committed to that, in fact, that I won't schedule other things. I just, it's not flexible. I'm committed to um, a higher source and, um, and then doing good, as much good as I can, as long as I can. <laughs> Mm, beautiful. Now, would you say that you've always been able to kind of alchemize yourself in a very professional world with your spiritual practices? Has that always been unified or is that something that has evolved over time? Definitely not. And I would say that I don't know that the rest of the world quite um, might, might be in a similar place that I am, spiritually speaking, of course. However, that being said, I no longer feel the need not to share because I almost feel like it would be a crime not to share what works so well for my colleagues and friends and myself. You know, why would you? It would seem quite selfish to actually keep it to yourself anymore. So I was honored to open up this discussion with you. Mm, thank you for that. And I just feel um, so many of the listeners probably listening to this who 
are in a corporate environment or a very professional environment could probably relate to this because I, I think a lot of people um, probably hold back um, sharing things that maybe really work for them. And so I think that it's beautiful to see your success story that you've actually been able to alchemize and bring forth this side of you while still being in a very professional setting. Um, you mentioned Kabbalah. What is Kabbalah? Thank you for asking. So actually, it's um, it's like a technology for the soul is the, the easiest way I like to explain it. And it's just a practice where we're always working to be our highest good and to um, live our best life. And I think a lot of people are working towards that, but we all have different mechanisms, if you will, um, that we utilize. And prior to us beginning talking, you know, I was fascinated because you shared, um, uh, you know, something, the words that you were using were so similar to a ritual that I use every day through Kabbalah that it was almost unnerving. And I had no way to know that you were doing that. And you certainly don't know much, um, I would imagine, as much as I do about Kabbalah. But it's amazing mm -hmm. that it's a sense of gratitude where we're thankful. Um, for everything that the earth has given us. And we're also thankful for, you know, the best way I know how to describe it is your ego is not your amigo. <laughs> and you know, I, I you know that, that's a funny way to root down into a very serious matter. I think we get into our own way, but the world and life is not about just you, Amber, or just me. It is literally about living at such a higher level that it's about everyone in the collective. So I think that Kabbalah is um, a beautiful spiritual practice where we get to connect to giving and living uh, ways with an intention that we are just being love and light in the world. I think that's amazing. And, and you're right. I don't know much about Kabbalah, so I'm really um, fascinated and interested to learn more, um, which kind of segues me into the next question, which would be, what is Meredith's ideal morning or evening ritual? Thank you for asking. So I believe that it's actually a critical success factor in life to have some sort of ritual. I'm quite passionate about this. And you'll notice that people who are in top tier levels of what we would classically look at as successful in life often do have amazing rituals. So I have recognize that when I'm not on my ritual game, I, I don't personally feel best. I don't place that on everybody as an expectation, but I know when I rise and um, I, I start with gratitude, you know, I really literally write out 10 things I'm grateful for, 10 things um, that I would like to attract in my life because I believe in the law of attraction. And then I talk a little bit about ways of being that I get to be in order to achieve those things. So it's a matter of visualization and gratitude for, for your best life. And then the Kabbalah portion um, is a series of ritual and prayer. Um, you know, I really haven't shared with many people, but the bottom line is I have a small table and, and I always have a fresh small bowl of water, um, a white cloth and incense. And we begin by burning a fire because I believe we are all light. And um, mm. it is a beautiful, magical way to acknowledge that to the north, to the south, 
to the east and to the west and above us and below us. Um, <clears throat> we call in to a greater, higher power. And um, in my ritual, it's, it's just an acknowledgement that what has happened yesterday has happened yesterday and that we have no attachment and that we put a cloth across the table to um, cleanse ourselves of resentments or bad feelings, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. So it's symbolic of so many beautiful things that are a good reminder just to be a good person. And, um, and then I love the idea at the end of the ritual, which I think is very common with, from what I understand, many practices. We sit and we close our eyes and we see light from above, below, from the east to the south, the north and the west, coming into us and through us. And those in a deeper practice can send that light to others. I mean, I personally have three friends battling breast cancer right now. And so just really focusing on sending that love and light to others is a very um, powerful practice that, that I, I think that you, know, you can grow into. I don't know that many people wake up and just send light to others. But for me, it's a ritual that has a, not only a grounding, but this beautiful, peaceful effect of, of taking a moment to recognize um, the power of the universe, the world, and earth, as you mentioned, but also um, the magic that we can create and the love and light that we can share with others. So every day, having that ritual of reminder um, not only sets me in the most peaceful, calm mind, but also inspired in the morning. Um, and really grateful and, and gratitude as well. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. And I love the symbolism that you shared. Um, when you talked a little bit about visualization, you know, visualizing how you want to show up in the world, um, how do you, or how would somebody who, if they were listening to this, how would they start to visualize how they want to be? Like, do you, do you literally close your eyes and just imagine, is that really what you're doing when you say visualization? I think, yes. Um, you know, there, there, for people who are kind of new to this concept, I think Tony Robbins has a beautiful exercise you can Google, and I've done it for quite some time, and I have friends who swear by it, where you literally close your eyes and visualize the best day of your life. You know, um, maybe mm. it's your greatest goal being achieved, and you see it, and you picture it, in your mind's eye. And I can only tell you that I can't count how many times I have done that to speak in a stadium. And then when I least expected it, it happened on Monday, you know, because my gift is sharing light with others through video like this or a huge stage. Um, you know, so there are many mechanisms about how and which way we can share our light, but it's a very powerful thing to see it done even when it hasn't already come. And in, in my world and spiritually, we say everything is already written. And then that's another thing that I find key and very interesting about the book that you and I shared that so much passion for, and it's not your money. It's like surrender is also such a gift, you know? And another way I said it, like I was speaking to high school students on that stage I mentioned um, on Monday. And the, the thing that they can really re relate to is that like you, you can't, um, it's almost like, I'm trying to think of the words that were simpler for kids to understand, um, that, that surrender is the opposite of freaking out. So that's the best way to put it. Like freaking out never helps. <laughs> um, right. And 
everybody can relate to that, but surrendering is something people don't think of. And then when you commit to it and you recognize that, you know, everything that's meant to happen is, and even when things are terrible, surrendering to that too and saying, okay, I don't see the light in this at the moment. There must be something I'm learning or some beautiful thing that's opening up now because this terrible thing has happened. So I think mm. that comes with wisdom and age and time. <laughs> Um, but it's a wonderful thing when you, when you surrender to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, which that's surrender is such a, um, it's such a deep word and I think holds so much weight. And I think people, you know, say that they've surrendered to things and really they actually haven't. Um, can you share with us Meredith about, I and I think we had talked about this previously about a really difficult time in your life um, where you actually had to surrender. And, and when I say that, like you really surrendered um, and then how you kind of came through almost like a dark night of the soul time um, and how surrender kind of ushered you to the next phase. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Unfortunately, or fortunately, we need to, we need to really be careful about our words. Uh, I have had a lot of, difficult times and um some things that come to mind are oh goodness uh, this just this past year it's just been a series of very 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 high moments and very low moments uh which i do believe makes everything sweeter my father um goodness almost exactly a year ago now um i lost my dad who is my very best friend and i think I think that we have this idea in society that we need to power through things that are horrific, like grief and, um, and tremendous loss. And the truth is that there is, there is, we get to decide, um, how we handle things. We don't get to decide exactly necessarily what happens for us. Notice I didn't say to us. Um, but, but ultimately things are happening for us. And while that was really, um, something that I felt at times was going to possibly take me out. I remembered, um, you know, a, a very good friend just said to me that there is no perfect way to grieve. And you get to just give yourself permission to cry. Like that was a real issue for me that I wanted to put on a front to my mother, to others, um, that, that we, you know, things were just fine when they weren't. You know, your whole world is crashing down when you lose somebody that you love. And, and in my case, it was very fast. My father was diagnosed um, from diagnosis to death. We lost him in 91 days. It, it was just horrific. And um, he had pancreatic cancer, which in itself is horrific. I mean, I just wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And then after that, I had the honor, Amber, of taking my mother into my home um, so she could grieve without much pressure. And before I knew it, I had the biggest financial loss just about a few months after losing my dad. And I was at a personal like low. Freaking out was an understatement. Like, how am I gonna provide for my mom um, and, and us? Are we gonna be homeless? And I remember calling at the time I had a business coach and she said, this is great. And I'm like, this is great. <laughs> like I literally like, what? homeless next month. Do you understand what I'm saying? And she said in very wise words, this is perfect. You hated that client anyway. <laughs> and this is opening up for so much goodness. And so it was in that moment where I had, I almost wanted to choke her <laughs> in an, initially when she said that. 
but the, then I recognized if I just surrendered, like there was nothing I could do to change this decision that had been made, you know? And if I just surrendered, you know, maybe things would be okay. That was just the beginning. I think that that's the hardest part for people to recognize is that when they're in this dark series of events and in, you know, the pit of despair, as we like to say, surrendering doesn't seem like it makes sense. But then like all these amazing things happened. My phone rang and it, and I got a call from somebody I hadn't spoken to on the weekend, you know? Um, it was a doctor saying she needed my help and it was a huge opportunity, one that I couldn't even dreamt up financially. And then people started hiring me as I was sharing my heartache live online, like crazy to be their coach because they had a loss with a parent as well. Um, you know, and they saw me pushing, not pushing through in an unnatural way, but, but, you know, forgive me for using this word, but when you're going through hell, you have to keep going, you know, because all the beauty is on the other side, you know? So surrendering to the fact that it doesn't necessarily, life doesn't look like what you think and events are going to catch you off guard. And in my case, you know, it feel like they're taking you down, but you know, if you believe in a spiritual practice or a higher power, then, then just everything is happening, as I said, for you and not to you. And, um, you know, I'm sitting here telling you, you know, I've literally never had more clients in my life or bigger audiences or more wonderful stage opportunities, um, which wouldn't have been possible had I had that client that was so, um, you know, they were a time suck, draining, um, all these things. And, you know, I can't really explain why I had to lose my dad or that happened um, in such a young age, but I can tell you that I feel like he must be looking out for me. I still feel like he's with me. Um, how else could so many extraordinarily good events come after so many difficult ones? So I don't know, uh, but that's what I do know to be true, that surrendering works <laughs> if, you, if you're open to it. In the darkest or most difficult of times, it will it will work for you um, and not against you. Mm. I really feel that, and I I do. I feel your your father's presence definitely. Um, um, so when I, I want to speak a little bit more um, practically for people who might actually be in the the depths of their grief um how when you were in that place did you use ritual or ceremony to really help you kind of get to the other side did you use ritual and ceremony great question um yeah i think that when you're in severe pain you have to be open to the fact that if that's a new thing which it was for me to be at that level of depth of grief and pain that you need to be open to trying things that you may never have done to allow yourself to heal or even express that grief. For me, it was very interesting being a strong person. Um, I had this facade of an idea that I needed to cover up my grief, that I needed to show up in a way that presented as polished and, and prepared for the day um, when I might just be dying of sorrow. And um, when I gave myself permission to let go of that, the most lovely thing I did was permission to allow myself to cry. And um, the second thing was I began to have a ritual. This is crazy. Um, well, I know it's not crazy, but I mean, it might sound crazy to some people. Um, I joined a grief support group on 
like before my dad even died online and every day in this world several people pass away and they come on with their in the woes of their grief and I now have a daily ritual where I log on and send somebody who's lost somebody a love note again they're a complete stranger but for me um, the thing that was working to work through my grief was being strong enough to ask for support and regularly connecting with others when I live alone with my sweet um, rescue dog. And, you know, I could isolate myself and, and, and I chose to recognize that that wasn't working for me. So I think that the ritual is being connected. So, you know, yes to Kabbalah every day always, but that had been something that came along before my dad. Although it's funny you say that because I had a very good friend who asked me, you know, did you get more, um, his words were religious, you know, when you lost your dad? And I think the answer is yes. I think that before I lost my dad, I would compromise and not go and meet with my Kabbalah friends every week necessarily. I would say, well, I'm, you know, I've, I'm going to go out on a date tonight or whatever. But no, now I am fully committed to surrounding myself with people who are doing good things in the world and bringing light. Um, and then to continue on to what you're saying for the practical wisdom, you know, um, I had a very good friend who said, to like, why don't you just let yourself cry every day? And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah. I mean, like, even like to just give yourself permission, maybe if you feel that you don't want to be stuck in it, like give yourself a timer of a full five minutes, whatever it may be. And, um, so like, this is really opening up, but may I show you something that worked for me? <laughs> okay. So, okay. Um, shoes. These are my dad's shoes. Um, and I, um, I don't have a lot of things left from him. So, um, when, when I'm really missing him, I like, I just pick up the shoe, you know, or shoes and I just put my hands on them. And my father walked in these shoes and on the happiest day of his life actually I believe he wore these to my sister's wedding mm. and that was the last big family event we had and you know there's just something um in 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 Judaism there's something we even have that we believe I'm Jewish in addition to being a follower of Kabbalah um and there is just something about the shoes um mm -hmm. so there's a, almost like a soul connection to where we've walked, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, you know, I actually, that was very unexpected for me, but just grabbing my dad's shoes, like I felt a well of like deep emotion. Like, am I going to cry now? I don't know. But, you know, mm -hmm. there are certain things that we have to acknowledge that we get to connect with. Like, and it's okay. I used to apologize if I cried all the time, you know, but I think um, it's really good to give yourself permission to just feel the feels. So if you're in the middle of it, don't feel like you have to hide, you know, do surrender. If you feel grief, um, it is beautiful to focus outward to those who are going through it. And for me, the regular practice of, you know, some people might say like, isn't that too sad for you to see, to know that somebody's lost, just lost their mother, you know? And for me, no, like, yes, it is so hard to know that somebody else has had a loss with the pain that I might be. But I just love to tell them they're not alone. There's just such a beauty and, and receiving and the ability to give to receive um, love from a stranger. I can tell you, Amber, that while my father was dying and even after, people showed up in my life with such unexpected love and grace that I barely knew. 
who have become beautiful mm-hmm. friends now um, because they get the fact that um, the, the life is about reaching out and connecting, um, whether it's your higher power, your spirit, your ritual, or just being loving. So um, that I would say would be the greatest advice I'd give somebody that give yourself permission to receive, give yourself a moment to cry, to grieve, and do not put any pressure on what that looks like because it's different for everybody. Mm. Wow, Meredith, this I think is so timely. I can just um, feel a lot of the listeners who are going to be listening to this are going to really resonate. we just got an announcement yesterday at work that a, a tenured employee at the company that I work for has just passed away. And, um, you know, that hit me on my way home as I was driving home. And I just thought, you know, life is so precious, you know, and like, oh, I'm so grateful for all my blessings, you know. And um, I love how you said life is about reaching out and connecting. You know, I think with technology, we're now connected more than ever. We're able to do these calls and we have social media, but I also have a belief that underneath that, there's a level of isolation that people are actually feeling and separateness. And so the message that I think you brought forth so beautifully is take the initiative, like reach out, send a love note, um, go above and beyond to just show your light and to give. And I just, I say that because I'm just telling myself, like, well, you need to do more of that too. Um, but I think so many people can probably relate to that. Like, yeah, I probably should pick up the phone and call mom or that friend that I have been meaning to call for, you know, a couple of weeks now. Yeah. And I, I would like to add to that before I forget that here's the thing. The old me prior to losing my dad, I mean, I really am a changed person, would have put on a front. Um, and like we talked about a little bit and, and really wouldn't, um, wouldn't even really want to talk about all of this with you. But, but the current me just got on a stage in front of several thousand kids and talked about what it was like to watch my dad die and the beautiful lessons that I learned from him and that I shared with him before he died. I literally wrote him a book and wrote every single lesson he taught me in life, all my favorite, most funny memories so that he understood not only the meaning of his life, but the meaning that he had to me and the impact and the gift that I get to give in the world. And the most beautiful thing happened, Amber, after I exited the stage, I started receiving messages from these students. And I was asking them when they said that they loved, you know, they just had love notes for me, you know, almost very interesting. That's like a circle of love, right? And but the thing that I thought that was so fascinating was I said, you know, what was your favorite part? And um, continuously, the kids said, when you talked about losing your dad and how painful that was and that it made me realize that if I have a dream or I want to make an impact, I get to do it now. It was like, wow. Cause I almost didn't talk about my dad. Now publicly I haven't done a lot of that because like on stages for sure, it's hard, you know, like mm-hmm. I felt tears well up to me just for a moment talking and same thing happened when I'm on stage. But I challenge you to say that even when things aren't easy, sometimes they're the best things. It would have been quite selfish for me not to share about that level of love that not only my father and I shared, but that I get to continue to give with inspiring others. 
Yeah. And it makes me think about the beliefs that we often have, right? Like I feel probably that I would be very similar um, in some regards when experiencing grief that, um, you know, I have to be strong or can't really let the guard down and, or I'm just going to throw myself into working, for example, and that'll hide everything. Um, but there's just such raw sweetness when you can really just be who you are and in the moment of things aren't going well. Um, and that brings me back to the whole technology thing that we were talking about with social media. People are often displaying a very um, polished, perfect version of themselves when, when they could be really hurting inside. So um, I guess vulnerability and authenticity and it's okay to to be in pain and as a woman, it's okay to cry. I think that there's some shame wrapped around women that cry. Um, and so looking at that belief system that we have, like, oh, I can't cry, you know, I have to keep it all in. I find that really fascinating in just my own life, how maybe I have not cried when I wanted to cry because I felt like I had to be the strong, independent woman. Yeah, I think that um, that is such a common um, um, mistake that many of us make. And I know that I am guilty of it. I mean, I can give you several examples. When I was younger and my my business was exploding in the marketing realm, I do a lot of uh, work helping people with events and things like that, where I'm very publicly um, showing up, if you will. Um, you know, and I was showing up with a smile and, um, and the truth was for, for quite some time, um, I was running away from painful things at home where my husband um, was actually violent. So I think that what I learned from that experience, I am now divorced and quite safe at home, you know, with my rescue puppy biscuit. But what I learned is that um, you have no idea what's going on with people, whether they're showing it on social media on one level or not, um, how they show up on a stage or not, is just the tip of the iceberg many times. And, um, you know, through that experience, that was just the beginning of me recognizing that people want to help you, but they can't help you if you don't, if you're not keeping it real and you're not admitting the truth of difficult things that you're faced with. And I think that I was many years ago, the woman who would have judged somebody so mean in such a mean spirit. Um, and I don't think it's ever intentional, but like, you know, many people see people who have a domestic violence relationship and they have a stereotype of like, that must be a weak person. You know, why would they just walk away, you know, and having never expected being in those shoes. The one thing I can tell you is there is no, um, there is no norm in these situations and you just have no idea. You know, in my case, um, my significant other was battling addiction, which caused violent ten tendencies, I believe depression and all of those things. You don't want to abandon an individual when they're unwell is, is a mindset that many people have, right? You want to help them be there and support them. So I think that what I've never thought about is um, what, it's really like when you're in that moment, it's nothing like what people are judging you on. So I think, you know, the greatest gift that I gave myself was I dialed 911, called for help, help came, um, and my life was forever changed. So my whole thing is there's always hope and there's always help, but you've got to ask for the help. 
So yeah, mm. big lessons. Powerful message. Oh. I feel like we've covered so many topics and I feel like the grief and the surrender and the ritual, I think that these are all really needed um, right now, like in society. What would you say um, for somebody who's kind of interested in incorporating more rituals in their life? I know you had shared the Kabbalah ritual that you do in the morning. Um, what would be your advice to somebody who's just kind of curious, like, okay, how could I start my day off in a new way and call upon something bigger than myself? What would you tell them that they could start to, to do or explore? I think that you know, through all the difficulties that I've been through, um, there are a couple, there are a series of really easy, quick things you can do. You can rise every day and choose not to look at your phone and not be pulled into um, what we call reactive mode. And the biggest piece of advice I can give you is you have a choice in life to live a reactive or a proactive life. And I trust that if you could master living a proactive life, there is so much more ease. And what that means is, you know, if you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, you could react with anger, fury, cursing. I know people who do that all the time, right? Um, or you could live at a higher level and have the same interaction and just think to yourself, oh, that's so sad that they have such road rage. Like, I wonder what's going on in their life, you know? And then just keep going. Um, because you're so clear in your ease and your grace, or perhaps it's your per your purpose in life that you've sorted out, or maybe it's just on your mission to where you're going to, and it's you know you're you're clear on that that's going to be a joyful thing, and you're not going to let that individual who's cutting you off ruin your day. Um, this is a kabbalistic practice, but I also think it's a life tool that we we all mastered um, daily of not being pulled into any toxicity or unnecessary drama, or making up a story um, in a bad way uh, that somebody needs to hear what we have to say when we raise our voice. Because often what we need is just to create more peace and love in the world, not mm -hmm. conflict um, and angst. So um, when it comes to ritual, you know, maybe wake up every day with a practice a commitment of thinking about all the beautiful things that you're grateful for, and then closing your eyes and envisioning um, not only all those things that you're grateful for that you already have, but what you what you hope for and you visualize for your life. And trust that that in itself can be a tipping point for so much beauty coming into your life. I think that's a, a great reminder for everybody and specifically the not grabbing your phone right away. I feel like a lot of people are very guilty and they've been entrained to do that. And so to put those measures in place that maybe the phone isn't in the bedroom and it's, you know, in your kitchen or away from where you're sleeping so that you can actually maybe sit up in bed first. And then, like you said, just have a moment of gratitude. I always wake my husband up and I make him tell me three things he's grateful for. And I think over time he gets annoyed by it, but I'm like, no, three new things. And that's become like a little morning ritual of ours. And then he gets up and does his meditation and his breath practice. But I find myself very drawn to the phone and I'm like, no, Amber, like your work email can wait, you know, do your practices. And I think that touches on what you were saying, like being more proactive instead of reactive to what you think you should be doing. Um, 
or, you know, responding to emails like that, those can wait like 20 minutes, right? Yes. Mm. Well, we've covered so many wonderful topics. And I think the, the last question that I have uh, for you is just kind of, is there anything else on your heart, Meredith, that, that you feel like wants to come forth or, or any other messages that you're feeling called to share um, with, with us today? I think that the most important thing I could say that we probably didn't touch on is that your story is so important and powerful. Everybody has a beautiful series of events that, again, we may not have seen the beauty in as they happen, but there is somebody out there that needs to hear it. So I just encourage um, everybody who uh, might be going through something or has overcome something to consider that that's wonderful if you've made it through, but what a greater gift if you share that story with someone. And that can be in a million ways. You could write it, you could share it in a video, um, you know, you could just record a voice and send that memo to somebody who needs to hear it. But at the end of the day, there's just such magic in that level of connection of truly opening up. I have found that unlocks beautiful, not only pieces of love, but connection that I think we, we so often miss and very often need. Mm, and I think that that's a great segue because I think um, you have a, an amazing free gift um, and offer for the listeners that, you know, maybe they have a story that they want to share and they need some, some coaching or some guidance on how they can bring that forth into the world. Um, so you've created an amazing uh, PDF that's called 18 Ways to build authority and visibility in media. Um, can you just share a little bit about what that is and how people might be able to reference that? Sure, so that's, that's something that's just a, a labor of love for me. I, I really love helping people if they wanna raise their visibility to get their message out once they feel comfortable with it. You know, It is just beautiful that there's so many ways we can do that nowadays. So um, through the years, I've worked with a lot of clients in many ways, and I've found that like there's like a top 20 list. So I took, put my favorite 18 um, together for people so they can recognize that you know there's a different path for everybody, but there really is something and some way that you can share your message in a way uh, that will impact others. And it will also, often raise your authority in your business, which is a nice bonus. So yeah, just my gift to everybody. Awesome. Thank you so much. Meredith, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today and just seeing so much light come off the screen and hearing you chat. It's just really been a, an honor. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here.